Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, welcome on everyone to part three of our organization rankings here on Hollinger and Duncan. We're going to get through that and see how long it takes us. And then we'll take some questions for probably around 15, 20 minutes or so after we are done recording the pod. Um, if you can think of some questions as we're talking about the organization rankings to stay with the theme, that's fine. But if you can't, that's okay too. We, that would just be our preference. But let's uh, get started here talking about the organizations we have yet to get to and who is the first team that you want to talk about that you have not hit yet okay so uh I'm, my memories are a little hazy with all the travel uh i we discussed the knicks right last week uh i don't think we got into them yeah i guess we could probably say that that we did uh the, basically the theme being that they're doing a nice job since leon oh Rose that's took right over. we were we were trying to figure out when jones james dolan would screw it all up for him <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but our answer was maybe not in the next couple of years. And if that was so, then uh, these guys would probably move up. Yeah. What did you have the Knicks at? I had them at, at 21. Yeah, I had them 19th. So okay. yeah. I, th- I think so. The, the next highest riser uh, for me that we have not discussed is Los Angeles Lakers, who I put 20th. Um, and here's why I, I put them 20th. Like, I don't think you can give them credit for like... Oh, they had this great idea to trade for Anthony Davis. Like, no, no, that's not what happened, right? Like, he he decided he was going there. Every team in the league would have traded for him, obviously. Uh, so, that but the thing you do have to give him credit for is a really good job in the scouting department going back several years now of late draft picks, undrafted guys uh, that they've been able to turn into talent that unfortunately a lot of times has then been given away or let go. But I, I think compared to some of these other organizations, you can at least point to this one thing the Lakers have done where they did a hell of a job. Uh, no, it, and th- it, it really is true. I, I I mean, if you go through that litany of players, it's uh, here they got another one this year in Austin Reeves, who looks like he, he might be pretty decent. I mean, we'll see. He's got any of these guys who are playing for their first month or so, you want to make sure that they can actually shoot and that their shooting percentages will, will be okay in the long term. But he, he looks like a player in terms of the floor game. You could go back to guys like Avica Zubats, Kyle Kuzma was Clarkson. drafted late. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson. That, that was that was Caruso. Previous, Caruso, yeah. obviously, who helped them win a championship yeah. and was undrafted. Yeah, and that was under the previous regime. But as far as I know, I think they have the same kind of lower level exactly. apparatus yeah. in, in place yeah. as they that, had. That's then. that's why I gave them some credit for that um, because that that hierarchy is still more or less in place. Josh Hart would yeah. be another guy, right? They drafted him. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And even when they've had picks higher up, you know, I don't know that they've done poorly with those. Ingram at number two it was fine. That was sort of the consensus pick there. Yeah, Lonzo. Anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Lonzo is one where they could have done that whole 2017 draft uh, did didn't go too well for anyone uh including me <laughs> in <laughs> fact um you know and, and i think in the davis trade some of us were critical that they gave up a little bit too much given the leverage they might have had with him having one year left in his contract but they did get anthony davis and and they immediately won the championship so it, it ended up working out uh, pretty well for them um you know, after they remember, of course, that they traded Lonzo and Ingram, but Ingram wasn't considered an all-star type of player at that point in time. And then the number four overall pick, plus the additional future picks and the deferment.
important to, from 24 to 25, which yep. I, I'm glad that they did that because at least uh, we'll get the drama of knowing whether or not David Griffin will defer that that pick in uh, 24, 25. Are you saying something presumptuous about what might happen in the latter part of this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean another another really good pick that they had was Larry Nance at twenty seven. Really, the last pick they've had uh, that they Svi Mikhailuk was another decent one. He's an NBA player to get him at Taylor, forty seven. Taylor Horton bad. Tucker, yeah, yeah. But Mo, Mo uh, Wagner was probably the worst the worst one in that run, right? Am I yeah. missing somebody? Uh, Anthony Anthony Brown at thirty four in twenty fifteen was not great. Even Julius Randle at number seven has, has turned out pretty well. So yeah, yeah, they have done a great job of drafting, but what about the rest of the operation? Yeah. Uh well, that explains why we're why we're doing them on this part of the show, right? Uh they got some pieces that fit well enough in that in that season 2 years ago, and then since then I think they've just been digging themselves a bigger and bigger hole, trading Danny Green and a first for Schroeder, then turning around and trading Schroeder and all their depth and a first for Westbrook. Yeah. Well, uh, Schroeder wasn't in that. They just let him go in free agency, but Oh, yeah, but Harrell, that's true. Yeah. Harrell Kuz- Kuzma, KCP, yeah, take, taking on a lot more money as well, which then you could argue also cost them Caruso. I mean, people have focused on Caruso or Horton Tucker, but I think the original sin there was actually taking on so much more money in that Westbrook trade, which then meant that they felt like they were up against the tax, which, oh, by the way, I mean, yeah, they're paying it, but they are the, or should be at least, the highest revenue team in the NBA or one of the top three at minimum. Exactly. And so they should yeah. they should be willing to go to nuclear tax levels with LeBron James on their team. And it wasn't, you know, I think that the, supposedly they paid, the, their offer was like two years, 15 million for Caruso. So it wouldn't yeah. have even been that much bigger of a, like they're willing to make that offer. It was the years that they lost Caruso on, not the annual salary. It seemed like they could have paid him two million dollars more, and it would have been fine because they had full bird rights on him. But so, so that was losing him was definitely, I, I thought, a, a an own goal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I mean, and you can see now. I mean, they, you know, the, the bench parts. I mean, it seems like they focus more on getting guys who were famous, right, than, than guys who were actually good. Yeah. Well, um, well, and I think also the outsized impact that when it seems like when LeBron is really kind of flex his muscle as far as who they want, that's when it has gone particularly poorly for them. Yeah. Now, yeah. that would probably be the case of any team that LeBron was on, and obviously it's worth paying that price if he's going to have some personnel input to have him on the team. But also, you could maybe try to manage that a little bit better yeah yeah i also got to give him a demerit for what they did to mark last year um no i i mean well and and particularly to do it in the way that they brought in an inferior player to him and promised him that he would start and that actually hurt yeah them. yeah Exactly. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm not ready to shovel dirt on the Westbrook trade quite yet because he's actually starting to play better now. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled for for that. You know, he was he was one of the big reasons why they won last night against the Celtics. And so, I'm not going to completely say that that's not going to work for sure. But obviously, they've had their troubles. And but the biggest troubles to me have been Davis and James not playing up to their standards from 2020 more so than even kind of the lack of depth and the injuries and stuff. So, I still think it could work okay and I also think that they did a pretty good job once they got Westbrook I think they did the best they possibly could other than retaining Caruso this offseason would you agree with that I mean that's what I was saying at the time at least in terms of their minimum guys you mean yeah well I thought yeah I mean getting like Malik Monk has really helped them so that worked out uh Kendrick Nunn we haven't seen him play I think he's going to be pretty valuable on that deal uh we'll we'll see uh some of the other older contingent I, I don't know how much they've helped them but I don't know they were all minimum deals so yeah yeah I mean like Dwight has been okay uh in any event yeah I, so i think the bigger issue with the lakers to me is just what would this team be like if you just put this ownership and front office in a different market right exactly exactly they'd be would they be minnesota or you know cleveland well, and, and and worth noting despite some of their draft successes until lebron wanted to come there they were completely in the wilderness absolutely yeah oh the ultimate shit show season right with the the whole thing with magic and luke walton yeah i mean 
that's uh, we haven't even started there on just what the process was and hiring Magic Johnson, and then <laughs> right. uh, that he uh, didn't exactly do the best job, and then he just ended up leaving. And yeah, the same the, the process with Walton as well, and even now the way they're kind of doing Frank Vogel is not amazing either. Um, you know, it seems like the the process of who they're going to sign in free agency was let's bring a bunch of guys to LeBron James' house and see who wants to come. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. All right. So I don't know. You think that's a, that's enough on the Lakers? Uh, I think we probably spent spent enough time there. Uh, I I got actually another team I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Uh, is do you still have Portland at fourteen? Uh, I actually had them at seventeen. But, oh, I'm sorry, um, seventeen. Yeah, I, I moved. I switched them in Indiana. Indiana, by the way, also had some news this week that they are yeah. planning on kind of kind of blowing it up a little bit. So uh, events are. We thought, hey, this would be kind of an evergreen topic, but uh, events are overtaking us slightly here. <laughs> um, exactly. Which yeah, maybe we should we, we should talk about that at some point of, of you know Indiana blowing it up and what that would look like. Uh, but maybe not today so yeah to be clear though i had the lakers at 20 yeah i think i would stick with portland at 17 for now you're kind of just doing it on the track record of what they've been in large part also and yeah you know they lost uh i think it's chris mcgowan who's now with the by the way that's what uh you know oh oh, he's joining mike illich that's right okay it's not i was thinking he was joining the pistons i'm like do they need another executive that's not true that they got our down there already yeah no that guy is joining uh the uh, uh, Red Wings and Little Caesars and all that stuff. All right, anyway, that's a, the ultimate aside. But yeah, so Olshay is out, obviously, now. Um, do you have any thoughts on that at all that you want to share just to, as we're going through it here? I mean, there... <laughs> As a franchise, it just feels like they're adrift right now. I, I don't know what their next move is. And I've I've heard from some people that Joe Cronin will get a chance to keep the job, in which case he'll yeah. get a chance to make some moves here. But That, what, that was what reported are the, as well, that, that what, Cronin would yeah. have a chance to keep it. What, what, what are those moves, and how do... Um, how do Dam- how does Damian Lillard and his camp factor into it? Um, I think one of the things people worry about a little there now is is whether Lillard and his agent and whatnot are like shadow GM there or. You know, or if or if uh, Cronin or whoever they bring in really has the bandwidth to make the nuclear move, if if that's the move he sees fit. Well, and the Woj piece, which he co-wrote with Olshay after he got fired. <laughs> How dare you say such a thing? Well, I, I thought. I mean, is that Woj's like first column in like three years, probably something like that? <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's bad, as opposed to a straight newser. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or or just a a tweet. Yeah, but but anyway, basically, where you're getting this idea of Lillard kind of being in control with the franchise was that it seemed like there was this new pivot point now for coming up this summer of whether to give Lillard an additional two year extension on top of the three years including player option that he has remaining which he could still do without hitting the over 38 rule but obviously would give Lillard another two years at over 50 million per season and yeah I mean I certainly wouldn't want to do that as the Blazers um this is this is again one of those things where you get into the issue that you have the ability to give him the extension and that's what the player expects if he's there. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I wouldn't want to give him that extension. Frankly, I wouldn't have wanted to give Lillard the current deal that he's on that is going to turn, like he's already, uh, this deal that he's on is going to be a bad contract by the end of it. So adding two more years after that, yeah, the Warriors did that with Steph, but Steph is Steph and, and Dame is not as good. And Steph's already playing well, you know, into his late 30s. So, uh, and also the Warriors are really good right now, which uh, the Blazers are not. So, I don't know. How do you think you would navigate that if Dame Lillard is coming and demanding an extension next summer? I mean, the the thing is, like, or, or else what? Like, he, I, I just don't think he has enough leverage at the end well, of he, the day. Well, he would just request a trade. He would request a trade, but even then, he still has two years plus an option year left on his deal so he's the even if he requested a trade the blazers would still be in a pretty strong position for a while you know where they could drag this out ben simmons style and you know say okay well maybe we'll trade you but it's going to be on our timeline not yours well i think obviously the way the rest of the year plays out it will have a big part in this as well where if Dame Lillard plays the same way that he's played all year and played in the olympics and he can't beat this abdominal tendinopathy thing and you know maybe he'll just have 
have a surgery for that in the offseason. But if he doesn't have a good year and the Blazers are still at 500, even if they don't blow it up and they're they're in the play-in or they get just get beat in the first round again, that kind of makes your decision easy. If it's if Lillard is like, all right, either give me this extension or trade me. At that point, I think I would just trade him, right? Because your upside is, well, you know, we're a 500 team. That's essentially what we've been since the 2019 Conference Finals appearance. A, a season in which they did win over 50 games, by the way. They haven't been close yeah. to that level since then. So I, I think it would that would kind of maybe, I, maybe even as Portland, I might almost be hoping that he makes the trade request to, at that point because it's really your only way out of this yeah right that's the only card they have left they you they basically used all the other ones and they just have like they have a couple of pretty good players but they only have one all-star and he hasn't played like an all-star this year and he's in his 30s so how does it get better from here other than you know being the being in the play in every year i i just think that's that's what you're looking at and at that point, maybe maybe you're better off with a reset because, I mean, they're going to have to keep bailing water just to maintain this level. When you look at their future, their cap situation, the players they have going into free agency, like it's it's going to be hard just to tread water. No. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I agree with you. Um, okay, so so I, I'm not ready to change my rankings yet necessarily, but I do think uh, Portland could potentially be facing a tumble. Let's see what their process is like. Uh, it, it was reported that they may go to the search firm, so at least we <laughs> at least we were right on that one. <laughs> I had Lakers at 20, Knicks at 21, Phoenix at 22 in this tier of bad owners but still okay results i got two more teams that in that group what okay. was your ranking for the lakers i had them 20th yeah okay so we actually uh, are agree on that perfectly and then uh nicks at 21 phoenix at 22 you're higher on both of those teams right marginally i mean i had them in the same tier so i had i went phoenix new york lakers dallas portland from 18 to 22 so like i, I think we're basically talking about the same bigger picture yeah so dallas dallas we've hit on at least a little bit here we probably need to talk yeah about them more though uh that's a, a pretty low number for dallas a, a team that has had pretty decent success uh, over the years um you know they kind of were in the wilderness a little bit in the dirk twilight years when they were kind of trying to compete but didn't really dirk wasn't really good enough to drive that anymore uh you know they've been solid they made the move to to move up for luca um but so why so low for them well i feel like right now they're in a position where the new management is unproven and I can't really give him credit for the stuff Donnie did because he's not there anymore, or at least the good stuff, including, uh, you know, obviously trading up for Luca. And then... Yeah, yeah. well, well um, Donnie, may, Donnie may not have been there uh, while he was still there as well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sort of the... The kind of loose structure that's been there the whole time, though, I mean, that's still a thing you wonder about because it's still Cuban show. 
so, and the kid hire obviously was a real question mark. We talked about that. So yeah. it, it was just hard hard for me to put them in the top third. Yeah, I had the them at third. 18. I had them at 18, but it was more, but my thought was that Cuban is over-involved, but he at least kind of kind of knows what he's doing compared to the other over-involved owners. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I, I was, I'll spare everyone the Lord of the Rings reference again this time, um, but I, I'm sure everyone will love uh, if you reference the tick again i actually yes. do know what the tick is by the way it's i, I someone like replied to it on on twitter with a, a photo i was like oh yeah it was that cartoon show okay now i actually, <laughs> I, I actually remember watching that show and not liking it uh, back back in the 90s but uh yeah so so i had i had dallas at 18 i think we see them pretty similarly here um i just i, I felt like they're still I, i'm willing to put them above the lakers but yeah we'll see you know the harrison kid cuban triumvirate is unproven i'm kind of giving them some credit that their processes are not that great but at least cuban kind of knows what he's doing he's willing to spend they have good facilities etc um you know granted bob vulgaris didn't work out but they also were at least willing to hire bob vulgaris which a lot of teams wouldn't have been willing to do and i think he he at least knows the stuff even if of course that it kind of ended in flames um so yeah i had him 18 you at 22 who's the next team that we haven't talked about yet so getting into a different tier here um into kind of like the unestablished unproven's for me uh, i had detroit 23 uh where you know troy weaver has come in he's done some things uh i think the that first off season there was some weird stuff uh but the big picture stuff that he had to get right he mostly got right uh, and then it's been a little more orderly since then, I would say. Uh, you know, nothing nothing mind-blowing, but it, it looks like he got a couple pretty decent players with Stewart and Bay in the last draft. The Jeremy Grant deal looked like an overpay. Might not be, as it turned out. Uh, Cade Cunningham, you know, okay, I think anyone, everyone would have taken him, or most people at least, so. Uh, so there's that. I mean, it's still all a little unproven there. Uh, the Arn Tellum involvement is still a little weird. Uh, but ov- overall, I mean, you w- you wouldn't put them down there with some of these other teams uh, that we're going to get to. I I'd, I'd guess I'd put it that way. Yeah, I actually have them 25th and in a tier below Houston and Charlotte. Um, okay. Houston and Charlotte closed out my bad owner, but have had decent results so far. We'll, we'll talk more about them in a second. But since, since we're on Detroit, yeah, I mean, my, my number one issue with Detroit, you know, Tom Gores really as the owner hasn't particularly impressed. This doesn't seem like a team that's going to spend, although they haven't been anywhere close to good enough to where we would <laughs> we would have any evidence of whether I, they would or not. But behind the scenes, I mean, I think I think he spends pretty decently. Um, yeah, you know, as as far as some of the things that players and organizations might care about. So I I, I don't think he's been like a tightwad or anything. Yeah, but yeah, we have we haven't seen contractually what he's willing to do because he hasn't had a team worth doing it. Yeah, I mean, they've had a few times during the Van Gundy years where they were near the tax and dodging it, but the team wasn't really good enough to justify paying the tax at, at that point in time. And, and, you know, Stewart and Bay look like pretty decent picks, although, you know, Bay hasn't had the, the year that they would have liked in his second year. You know, their team building, you do wonder about Weaver and, hey, someone actually needs to, like, shoot the ball at some point. That, that that might be a, something important for uh, winning basketball games, but th- they're early in the rebuild. Um, you know, they did get Kelly Olynyk for that at least. I, I I just the biggest thing is the whole Tellum overall organization. Like they brought in David Mintzberg as a cap guy from the Bucks. He does all this crazy shit with stretching in their first off season. Then he's gone. All of a sudden, they're still paying. Yeah. Dwayne Debin, uh, uh, basically, you know, they signed Plumley, who wasn't it's, terrible it's pronounced, for them after a year. Yeah, it's uh, just one correct. It's pronounced dead money. <laughs> Oh man. Uh so anyway, yeah, uh they they brought him in. They stretched Deadman for who the heck knows why and then ended uh it's kept that on their books. They basically stretched Deadman so they could sign Plumley who they then dumped himself at the cost yeah. of moving down from 37 to 57 a year later. That didn't really make a ton of sense. Gave up 4 seconds in the Canard trade. Um <sighs> yeah, but they so, did they yeah. did get paid. So like 
that that first that first off season was just super weird. Um, and the the one thing you take away from it that's positive is that on all the all the most important stuff, they basically they basically hit on except for it looks like Killian Hayes. Uh, where I was starting to go before this was just the concerns about uh, Arn Tellum's role, not really knowing exactly what he's doing, but he's in a position in the organization where you imagine he would get his way and. Of course, he did with things like the Servetus contract where it was his son's client and they basically gave a guy who couldn't play two guaranteed years for no reason. As well as a buyout to the team that Telem owned in Israel. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for including that. So I, I do think, you know, Weaver, I think, has brought more stability than they had there. Because remember, before yeah. that, it was Ed Stefanski being the lead search guy for a GM and then naming himself for a couple of years. Well, I mean, I don't know if he ever technically named himself, but like, yeah, he was a caretaker GM, but it was never, it was never going to be the long-term guy. So it was just very awkward, right? Yeah, um, yeah, fair, fair so, enough. And then the, before that, there was giving Van Gundy the coach and GM role, which obviously was worked yeah. out poorly as it nearly always does so i, I think these I, I have them lower than even a team like houston and, and or charlotte which i will explain momentarily just because i think you know weaver seems to have brought some stability there they got they made a decent coach hire who they were willing to pay also by the way so they seem like they could be on the way up but if they didn't get Cade, maybe they wouldn't be they've made some good draft picks under weaver so uh i, I just the overall organization still doesn't have a ton of stability their 10-year track record is atrocious and i mean they've had they haven't won a playoff game since 2008 and they've only made it twice or i'm sorry they've made it three times they got swept all three times right yeah yeah um, yeah that's not yeah, great. oh nine i'm sorry that's not great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that's why I had them at, at 25. Um, where did you have the Houston Rockets? That's who I have at number 23. Uh, I had them 24th. Uh, I had to offset. Uh, I mean, Tilmer Fertitta, I still see as a pretty huge liability. Um, he might be a little bit more willing to spend now than he was when he first took over the team and basically put himself in hock to complete the purchase. And I thought that was really, that really set the stage for the whole demise of that great team they had because they, every year, were having to put all their assets in play just to get themselves under the luxury tax. And just eventually they started cutting into bone. And so I, I thought that was a massive factor in all that. Uh, Fertitta also, he, he and James Harden deciding that they wanted Russell Westbrook apparently over the objections of Daryl Morey. That was, uh, now, now it is worth noting that that trade didn't look as bad at the time as it looks now because there was a feeling that Chris Paul just, you know, Chris Paul has had two and a half great seasons since then and it seemed like he was really on the decline. You know, he changed things Correct. around at a vegan diet. He basically hasn't missed a game since then and that was obviously a big problem for them yes. in the two years before. So to say that, oh yeah, we would have known that they're going to, that Chris Paul is going to be this and Russell Westbrook probably I would say would has been a little bit worse than people would have expected most people not me I, I think he's been about what I expected but it's so that was not a good deal but that, again that's the owner the star player making the personnel move rather than Daryl Morey and it like yeah. as soon as that move happened I was like Daryl is going to be gone very quickly like he is he if he really believed in this and, and by the way thank God Daryl still got him top four protection on those picks which has not been and some of these other trades so because that got him Jalen Green still um yeah that's true but yeah but but I will say I think Rafael Stone I it didn't seem like he was like that qualified when he got hired I think he's done a fine job I think they still got some pretty decent guys uh, on their bench there they've developed a lot of guys in their front office over the years who are now yeah. with other organizations as well yeah, I mean, I thought they did, did a couple smart things in terms of getting Jay Sean Tate out of Australia. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr., a late draft pick, looks like he's actually a player. Uh, I like the, the move to get Alperin Shengun as the president of his fan club, obviously. Uh, some other pieces were a little weirder. I don't really understand the whole Daniel Tice thing. 
Uh, yeah. Steve take- Stephen Silas did neither apparently. Yeah, and um, you know we'll see if Silas is the right coach for them long term or not. I think that's still an open question. Certainly. Yeah, six uh, game winning streak though. The here. Longest since, streak in the NBA. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, since since uh, another. I mean, you had you had mused about it on the pod that he could be in some difficulty even before there was a a more public report than that. Uh, so, uh, but let me ask you this, John. What would you rank their organization right now, not including Tillman Fertitta? Probably closer to the middle of the pack. Yeah. Uh, where there, I mean, there's there's an underlying like competence, at least to when you see the deals they've made and stuff, um, where things happen and you think, okay, that's maybe not what I would have done. Or some some cases you think, oh, that's really smart, really smart. But you don't have alarm bells going off where it's like, what the hell are they doing? Um, so you just just wonder with where Fertitta comes in and where that might loom around the corner. Yeah, I thought that the general concept of the Harden trade was pretty good. I think around the margins with the, and it's not like Lavert has been unbelievable, by the way, but the Oladipo was worse. And then, you know, the idea that they were going to trade Oladipo again for something else that mattered, that ended up not being the case. Like they'll, this front office will kind of do their posturing and trade talks. And sometimes it turns out with like in the Harden deal, I think they did well. I think they made the right move to take the Nets package rather than the Philly package with Ben Simmons. Cause I don't understand what that what an organization in their position would want with Ben Simmons. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and, and the Christian Wood sign and trade was a really good move, I think, also. So uh, I would have them even maybe slightly above the median in terms of what the front office is, which surprised me. But I thought Rafael Stone did a really nice job last year. Also, while... Tommy Shepard again got good value for Russell Westbrook, maybe better value than the Rockets did. The getting a first for Westbrook and, and his contract when he wanted out and taking on John Wall. Yeah, Wall hasn't contributed, but you know they still at least got a first in that deal. I thought that was a good deal at the time. Um, when you're not trying to win anyway, yeah, turn dead right. money into a first for debtor money. I mean, yeah, sure, that's that's a good move. Yeah, and, and actually, I mean, it's not, there were points last year when John Wall was actually outplaying Russell Westbrook. I don't could think that would be the case this year necessarily, but you know, Wall yeah. could still play a little bit. It's just the circumstances are that he's, they don't want him to play at this point in time. So I think Fertitta certainly plays an outside role here, and also if they ever get good again, his tax aversion could come back in. And he was the owner when they really made some terrible tax avoiding moves, uh, and yes. it, and it really hurt their championship contention. And then they couldn't get D'Antoni to come back, and then Harden wanted out. And you know, he also Dylan Fertitta alienated one of the best GMs in the, in the league too, Daryl Morey. You know, he's not there anymore. That's because I, I mean, frankly, when we did this two years ago, we had them ranked higher even because of Fertitta. Yeah. And then Daryl ended up leaving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what did you have Houston ranked? 24. 24. Okay. So yeah, I have 23, you have 24. They're kind of right in the same range. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. What do you make of the Charlotte Hornets these days? Yeah, so I had Orlando and Charlotte grouped together as kind of boringly not good, um, but not maybe not overtly bad, but just kind of swimming in that same area where they're trying to be, you know, they're trying to be the eight seed basically. And I mean, Charlotte was able to reset and now it looks like they're moving forward a little bit. Uh, you know, they might have made a mistake not extending bridges. Uh, I thought Borrego was a good hire. He's done a good job of player development there, I think. Uh, I don't know about their draft this year, the book night and Kai Jones. I mean, they basically haven't even been able to get on the floor, even with all the injuries and stuff. Uh, a couple decent second rounders with McDaniels and Cody Martin. Uh, Vernon Carey, maybe not so much. Uh, they took La- they took Lamelo at three when he was. I mean, he was gift wrapped on their doorstep, but they at least yeah, took the. Right I don't guy. give him any credit for that. I agree. Giant fail to me not signing Rashawn Holmes and instead doing the Plumley trade. 
Yeah, and, and they got uh, Ubre there too. But you know, I, I guess we'll never know. Maybe Holmes just wanted to stay in Sacramento or something. You know, Sacramento did give him the most that they could. But uh, yeah, it, they could have easily beaten that Kings offer had they wanted to. That's certainly true. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I th- like this is an organization that I I had way at the bottom earlier. Michael Jordan not really being willing to spend at all. Although they, again, you question when he's ever had a team worth spending on. But his track record as an owner is pretty bad. There's definitely a lot of chase the eighth seed kind of ethos to this group. The And I think the organizational mindset that not trading Kemba Walker revealed, especially yeah. when you didn't trade him and you weren't willing to give him the most that you could give him, which turned out to be a good decision, by the way, because Kemba Walker, that, that deal uh, obviously turned toxic pretty quickly due to his health issues. So it was the right decision not to go higher and re-sign him. But if you knew that that's what your approach was going to be, you had to deal him before that, especially because exactly. they didn't even—they didn't even make the playoffs the two years exactly. before. Like they should have, yeah. They could have traded him in 2018 and got a pretty nice package, probably from the Cavs, you know, to, to get that Brooklyn pick and you know maybe some future picks as well. Um, if they had traded Walker at that point, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe maybe they still would have demanded that LeBron, uh, <laughs> LeBron say that he was staying, which he would—he never would have done. But yeah, anyway, yeah. there, there were would have been deals out there for Kemba Walker in 2018 and 2019 that they never did so that that to me not to spend too much time on that but that's like a perfect encapsulation of what this franchise has been for a long time and then the Hayward signing was one that I think we kind of both killed I think that's worked out a little bit better but they still had to stretch Nikola Batum to do that so they have this nine million dollar albatross on their books for three years but they've the Rozier signing, we thought that was bad. That actually turned out to be pretty good. I think Hayward's been a little bit better than what, you would have what thought about, as well. This, yeah. What about the Rozier extension? Yeah, yeah, there's, there could be a little bit of concern there, although... I think Rozier would have been uh, one of the most coveted free agents. I think he would have got that this offseason. But you do wonder how, how that's going to age. Uh, their books are still pretty clean, though, going forward. That can change pretty rapidly if Bridges and Ball's extensions get on the books. Um, yeah, I mean, Br- Bridges yeah. at any kind of real money is probably going to take him out of the mid-level exemption yeah. next year. Uh, yeah, and the other part of that, too, is that they got that $9 million for the Batum stretch. But they are kind of on the rise. They've got a decent coach. They've had some decent draft picks. That that Kai Jones one is an interesting one because they traded a future pick to get him, and obviously he's really raw, not contributing. You would hope, though, that even with with the 97,000 front court injuries and COVID absences they've had, that Jones could maybe at least sniff the court. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seven minutes? Like, can we at least do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh... so, so ultimately, I think this is still a relatively short term focused franchise. Hopefully, that's changing a little bit now that they have their foundational star in LaMelo. But I, I mean, the reality is, too, if they didn't have LaMelo, we'd probably just be thinking of them as uh, yeah. even lower than they are. So I think I think this is about right for them. I, yeah. I feel comfortable with them being ahead of like Detroit and Orlando. Let's let's talk about Orlando though. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not any one move. It's kind of the the existential thing, and this um, this is like an as much an ownership thing, probably. Like they because they had already gone through rebuilding and it hadn't worked. They didn't want to rebuild again, even though that was the right thing to do. So they're just trying to squeeze out forty one wins with Evan Fournier and Nick Vucevic. It was like, you know, they basically just idled the car for three years, right? And now they're actually in a reset again, and we'll see how this all works out. I mean, they've taken some chances on some younger guys. You know, they they did a future pick for Fultz. It was a pick in the 20s, I think, right? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. still kind of a little bit TBD on that. I'd say the Bomba pick did not work out. That was, that was probably a big... Uh, a bit yeah, particularly in what was an amazing draft too in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if it, I mean, even picking where they were, I, you know, if you take Shade Gildas Alexander, let's say, I mean, you're feeling a lot better about things. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Shade was being talked about quite that high at six in 2018. I was I was telling them to take Porter, which uh, Michael Porter Jr., which would have looked good, and now he's out yeah. for the season with back surgery. So there's a reason why they didn't take him. But I felt like, particularly where they were as a franchise at that time. 
time. Because remember, that's mm-hmm. before they even made the playoffs with the Vooch group. I felt like, hey, you got to just shoot for the moon and try to get someone with some upside. But I think I, I feel better about it. They were in an interesting situation. Right? Like Weltman and those guys came in. I want to say what it was. It was 2017. I think that's right. Yeah, I can't remember when Hennigan uh, returned to his inside and foresight position in OKC. <laughs> but but yeah, so they came in and I think they wanted to do the total teardown and then they just unexpectedly were in the playoffs if they hadn't been in six six years and so I think they felt like they needed to do at least kind of play that out a little bit uh and yeah after a couple of years it was clear that they weren't really gonna be any good and then they struggled last year but then they bit the bullet and they made the Vooch trade I thought was really good for them I think the Gordon trade was really good for them they got good value for those players um you know their draft record hasn't been unbelievable um Cole Anthony is actually a pretty good find i think at 15 it's looking like but they haven't really had any other hits actually wagner looks pretty good i think at eight yeah, as well suggs, yeah. he we'll certainly see. has looked better than suggs um yeah but suggs and, was also the obvious pick there that's what, what yeah. everyone would have done there yeah yeah um so so i think and, and i think ownership is fine you know we don't really i don't really have i think their ownership's pretty neutral i don't really have an opinion good or bad on their ownership so I think it's just, it's kind of weird to say this, you know, what, four years into his tenure, but we don't quite have an idea. Like, Weltman hasn't really been able to do what his plan was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating. It's like, we're, we're, we're only kind of now seeing what, you know, what, what they really might be, might be about here. So the, I think this next, that these, this next year or two, you know, this next draft, this next free agency, next year or two in free agency, because they have money now going forward. That's going to be a really interesting time in Orlando to, as far as evaluating this front office. And I'm sure it's going to be an interesting time for them too, because, I can't imagine they get, you know, too too much longer a run here if they don't start showing results in the next year or two, you would think. Yeah, and also I think the we'll have to see what to make of Jamal Mosley when he gets a real team also. Yeah. Um, so Orlando was my number 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had them with Detroit in the length above all else uh, front offices. <laughs> Uh, and now uh, I think we get to my worst tier. Three teams in it. Who do you want to start with here? I think we we have all of these teams down there as well. Okay, so I or, I'm had, sorry. There are four teams in it. I I apologize. Yeah, number twenty seven. I had Cleveland. Uh, you know things are looking better there this year. Obviously, uh, Jared Allen's looking like a great pickup for them out of that trade. The, the nailed the Mobley pick, which they needed to because they'd had a couple other swings in the top five that had either not worked or only mildly impact. Um, well, well, that, I mean, I think Garland. Garland uh, has turned the corner. Yeah, I you yeah, know Gar- I think Garland was a great pick at that. I mean, his, that's 2019, right? He's like the only yeah. guy drafted below the top two who's doing anything in that draft. And now I think you look and you have Garland, Mobley, Allen, and it's easier for them to move on from Sexton to me in the position they're in now where they're in more of a position of strength and they're not hinging everything on, oh, maybe Colin Sexton could be our, you know, could be our all-star and he's not. Let's, let's go. Um, the, the Kevin Love extension obviously was a total disaster, really yeah. set back the rebuild because they weren't able to do any, any of these uh, cap space for draft picks deals because they had his 30 million locking everything up they were having to do stuff stretch guys just to get out of the luxury tax uh so so that's hurt uh, dan gilbert obviously massive liability um yeah. and although I, I mean it's really it's kind of unclear now what gilbert's role is due to his health he was, yep. he was he was always willing to spend at least you could say that about him that's um, true that's a, but also kind of i mean and then the fact that kobe altman is the only gm that they ever extended that's kind of when his uh track record was not too great but he yeah. also has the advantage of kind of not piping up too much against what Dan wants to do and not having his own personality, which is too much of a problem with other uh, previous GMs. Yeah, you know, I actually had Cleveland 30th. And it, there's also talk that, you know, Dan Gilbert's son is really starting to get involved in things uh, as well. Um, I just thought, the, like, the Mobley pick has kind of changed things. They made some other decent offseason moves. I was low on the Jared Allen thing. I looks like I'm going to take the L on that one. He's been really good so far this year. But... Uh, I think for their track record up until, like if you were doing these rankings prior to last off season, I think 30th would be very justifiable. I don't know how much I'm willing to change that due to the uh, Evan Mobley 
Right. I, I I don't think they've had a... I mean, I guess Beeline would be the other one. Um, I was trying to think of the, the moves oh, where you're really oh, like, yes, what the hell are they was, doing? I would say yeah, Kevin Love and John was, Beeline are the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Osmond extension didn't work out. He's actually playing better, though, this year. But yeah. the, the, he spent that was a couple of years where it looked really ugly. The Okoro pick, I, which is one I support at the time, that's not really working out either. Uh, so And Mobley, I don't give him that much credit for because he's another one of these. He was the obvious pick there. Um, I was critical of like, hey, why are you paying Jared Allen this much money when you also have Mobley, who's going to be a center, but that pairing has worked pretty good. I mean, if they're they're going to be a top five defense, then hey, you can't complain too much about that. So maybe 30th is too low for them. They've also just even the fact that they've played better with this group over the last three weeks since I first did these rankings. Um mm-hmm. And uh, also, I think as Sacramento fired a coach <laughs> since then, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that, that'd be another factor there. Uh- Listening to your favorite podcast. That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University. That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times and dedicated student support. You can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Um, uh, so yeah, you had Cleveland 27th. I had him 30th. I don't feel particularly strongly about which of these bottom four okay. should be the worst. Cleveland is, I, I mean, I guess Minnesota's actually playing okay too. That's a, another one that's in these bottom so four. So I had... I had Minnesota at 28 um, yeah. because I do think they've reaped some positive dividends from Glenn Taylor quasi selling the team. And we'll, you know, we'll see when A-Rod and Mark Lohr are in their full bore and if they start doing crazy stuff or if, or if things get more normal there. Um, I thought, I mean, Gerson Roses made a lot of mistakes. We haven't seen Sachin Gupta make any moves there, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't broken anything either. Uh, Chris Finch, I think, is pretty good higher uh they got some they got some pieces there which i mean how much does it reflect on the management that's there right now i'm not i'm not really sure uh so everything's a little bit tbd there i guess i would i would yeah, say in, I, in the big I guess picture maybe the only thing keeping them out of the bottom slot is that uh rosas and glenn taylor are and or will be gone yeah it seems exactly like. and exactly. so the, you just you've and such is someone I, I have a lot of respect for most people around the league have a lot of respect for him you know he's not your typical idea of like a hard charging gm but somehow he, he still manages to get a lot of respect no matter where he ends up and and so I, I do think he's going to be better. I think they've, I will give Rosas credit for finding a good coach and, and doing it in the face of some public opposition. Like he did take a PR hit for yeah. that, but, yeah. and the, there are of course other factors that should be involved there, but he did go against the grain and find the coach that seems to be doing a pretty good job for them right now. Um, you know, the the Edwards, it's tough to say. I mean, because Rosas is gone now, right? And supposedly one of the big complaints about Rosas was he had this whole process that he would make everyone grind late at night to come up with all this information. And then he'd just go with whatever the hell his gut was anyway. Yeah. Um, which had good and bad results. You know, Edwards versus Lamelo. I, I thought they should have taken Lamelo. I think Lamelo's been better so far. You might stay still that Edwards has the higher upside. That, that'll be a very interesting discussion for years and years, I think think lamella clearly has been better so far in his career yeah um but but again it's just a question of how much do the sins of rosas and glenn taylor and uh, all the people glenn taylor hired before rosas weigh on this ranking and and it's probably too early to move them up just because those guys aren't there anymore now yeah exactly so it's a i'd say they're in a probationary kind of wait and see period and so we're we're still gonna we're still gonna keep them toward the bottom for a while yeah you know i think the more i think about it as we talk about this is useful i'll probably actually move these other two teams that we're going to talk about down to 29 and 30 and i think i think i put minnesota at 27 and cleveland at 28 uh okay and uh that leaves two more teams yeah i went with the new orleans pelicans at 29 It's a. It's really is a tough call. It's it, it, like they've. It depends yeah. what week uh, you're talking about. Who would be worse? Now I will say this before we get into uh, their litany of missteps for these organizations. I would say that 
the bottom organizations, most of them are a lot better than they were two years ago. I would say that just generally the level of competence for the entire league seems to be higher. And that's that's been the case, I it's think, over the last 15 years. It's, cert- it's certainly higher. Like from the point where I joined the Grizzlies front office in 2012, uh, I would say... That- yeah, there, there was a big reduction in the overall executive competency of the league right around that time. Uh, but then it's basically <laughs> been a, it's been rising ever since I then. Brought right? down, I brought down the average that bad the median didn't change really but the average uh so uh, i mean i noticed it just in the time where i was with memphis where just the the caliber of the conversations you had with some teams were it changed like it was just a more intelligent conversation for you know uh, on, on some of these back and forth you'd have. So uh, that's definitely true. And I mean, David Griffin had had a lot of success before New Orleans. I mean, this was lauded as a great hire, right? Yep. He won and a he championship started, he started in Cleveland. Off great. Phoenix was really good the whole time he was there. Uh, So, and I think everyone was really excited. I thought he's, he's negotiated some good trades uh, in terms of the, the trade they did with Atlanta. I I thought he got good terms on the Davis trade. Got probably got good terms on the holiday trade too. You'd have to say, right? Yep. Um, But the way they, uh, the churning through coaches, the handling of the Zion situation. uh, And it's, it's all just outwardly seemed like such a mess and you you just you just don't know how that gets better and then there's some been some real failure points too uh walking away from lonzo just i, I just don't think that made sense and yeah, I, it, I understood it more than some people did, but they also probably should have tried to move him at the deadline if if, if they weren't going to bring him back. Um, yeah, I, I think Griffin, I think the comparison between New Orleans and Memphis is a really interesting one, right? I think that New Orleans got the number one pick in that draft. Memphis got yep. two. Zion hasn't been healthy for part of this time, obviously, but if you look at what Memphis has been able to do around John Morant, as opposed to what New Orleans has been able to do around Zion, considering that New Orleans had way more resources after the AD trade than Memphis did, you know, I, I think that's a pretty telling change. You know, Memphis hired yeah. the right coach and Taylor Jenkins. The Pelicans obviously did not. I mean, to, yeah, the, the Stan Van Gundy thing and then firing him after a year with all that money left. Yeah. And like the team is finally willing to spend for a coach and now you just got to pay that guy the rest of his salary. That's that's pretty miserable. You know, the some of the reporting around there, Griffin getting into a verbal altercation with Alvin Gentry over comments that he supposedly made that got out in yeah. the media about Gentry. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's pretty unacceptable as well. The, the um and then you know, th- there's not a lot of money there either. And I, they've gotten better about it. They've invested more in the team. Like they were ridiculous for a while. And one one of the things Griffin, when he came there, I mean, they definitely do invest more in their team now, but it's yeah. still for, for ownership. This is still an adjunct to the Saints. Yeah, it's, it seems that way. But yeah, I, I will give Griffin credit for the changes he's made to the organization for like bringing in Aaron Nelson from the Suns, for example, improving the the medical staff and and frankly i think the bigger problems with zion and his health is is zion rather than the medical staff i think it was actually impressive that they were able to keep him healthy all last year yeah um they're they so. uh the the messaging though like they've lo- kind of lost control of the situation yeah so that's been that's been bad well, speaking of losing control of the situation, we still have to discuss the Sacramento Kings. But again, I will preface before I get into some of their misdeeds that they have a, a GM in there who you know, seems more competent than some of the previous iterations. You know, it's, I mean, during the Vlade era, they were a pretty easy call for being way down there. And even yeah. Vlade had a few hits, right? Like the Zach Levine offer sheet was actually a really good one. Rashawn uh, Holmes. Know, had a few misses too. Yeah, yeah, Rashawn Holmes had, had a few misses too, like you know taking Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. That was uh, yeah, that that maybe one not the best move. Might have might have might have made a different pick there. Yeah, um, yeah. but also there's still Vivac. There's still Joe Jumars in some role that no one really knows uh, yeah. what he has, but he seems like he can kind of intercept some of the messages coming to uh, Vivac and put his own spin on him at at minimum. That's not great. The Walton hire and then not firing him. Yeah, not firing him yeah. because of money, but then and then, and then firing and then anyway. having to fire him anyway. And you're just led hire his top assistant. Like you're just like where where do we 
everything's just feels so reactionary. Um, you know, you're you're trading picks for Delon Wright, and then you're turning him into Tristan Thompson. Uh, and you know, just the way this roster is now, they have eight centers or whatever they have. Yeah, uh, and they still can't do anything when their one good center is off the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, you give them credit for the Halliburton pick, certainly. Uh, we'll we'll see on the Mitchell pick and. Other, otherwise, I mean, what like what can you really what can you really say about it? And there just hasn't been any moment of of at least yet where they've really taken the bull by the horns and, and made a move that makes you go, oh wow, um, you know, the yeah. heel. This is another the, another the chase the eighth seed team too. Yeah, or, total or now tra- the tenth seed. Sorry, yeah, sorry, the no, that's seed. To- totally. Yeah, I mean, the playoff drought I think is just dictating so much of of the organizational mindset, and I think it's not healthy. Uh, yeah, right. Like they should have moved Harrison Barnes already at this point in time yeah i mean and as again going into been. this trade deadline they should they should think about it again but i don't think that's the thing they're going to do uh you know the healed extension i think was almost i mean would you call it instant regret i mean certainly early regret right yeah <laughs> So I don't know. I, I don't have much else to say about these guys. I mean, I think they're clearly just the track record speaks for itself. And, and as long as Vivek is there until they really start making great moves, you have to assume I mean, that's that he's that's the biggest thing. I mean, like the guys in their the guys in their front office, like they have smart people working there. Like and a lot of these teams frankly, probably basically all these teams that we just talked about, I mean, there are smart people working in those front offices in one place or another, but it just doesn't add up to smart decisions being made by the organization all the time. All right. Well, again, apologies for everyone on Twitter spaces that uh, we had that little interruption, but we got a few requests here. Only going to be able to get to two, unfortunately, due to the delay. But why don't we start here with uh, Henny Ray joining us here. Henny Ray, are you in? Hey, guys. Hey, what's going what's on? Up? What do you got for us? Um, so I have, I could ask a question unrelated to organizational rankings or organizational rankings. Is Do you have a preference? Uh, whatever you want, man. All right. So... Then my question is about Giannis, and I think both of you guys would agree with me when I say that the two most important things in basketball that a player can do, the most valuable things, are one being the offensive engine, the proverbial straw that stirs the drink, and then two would be being the anchor of a great defense protecting the rim, things like that. So my question is, now that Giannis does both of those things, Brooke Lopez is not even playing and he still is, you know, leading this, when he's on the floor, they've got a great defensive rating. Why doesn't that make him like clearly the number one player in the league? Um, I I think for me, it's just because I discount his playoff performance a little bit last year and he had kind of not been good enough in the playoffs the two years before that. I think that that's part a big part of it. You know, they just didn't beat a great team last year and I thought he had a really good matchup against the Suns and was able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, the free throw shooting being better definitely helps. And so I think if he has another great playoffs this year, I probably would move him up. I just haven't seen quite enough from him the way I would say I've seen from KD. I, I think I, I haven't done my rankings yet, but I probably would have uh, KD and Steph. I, I could, I might be even convinced to put him above Steph, but I, I would have KD above him. I thought KD outplayed him in that playoff series last year, despite the fact that he was, KD was going up a great, against a great defense and had no help, and Giannis uh, was not going up a great defense and had more help, I would say, in that series. So, uh, that would be my thought. What about you, John? I mean, my one counter on Giannis versus KD was Giannis and KD were part of the reason that they were going up against the defenses they were going up against, right? Uh, like, I would. I don't think KD was the problem defensively for Brooklyn. I don't think he was the problem, but I don't think he raised Brooklyn's level any either. Yeah. Uh, um, the uh, but th- that said, I mean, I I think what Nate hits on is is basically right that Giannis and I mean this applies a little bit to Nikola Jokic too, where in the regular season those are probably the two best players. Um, I think Curry's making an argument this year to make that three. Uh, but the the game changes in the playoffs, and in Giannis's case, it it changes in a way where teams with the right personnel have been able to wall him up and make him closer to a neutral offensive player. And it's been harder to do that against some of the other guys who can shoot better. And so, you know, Giannis found some answers to that last year, especially in the Phoenix series. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if that carries over to, to this coming postseason or not. 
right, thanks thanks for that one. Uh, we got time for one more here with Akib. Hey, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the question. Uh, I was I wanted to get your idea or chances of like well, what do you think about the Bulls roster construction and kind of their chances as Demar and Levine are working on this one-two punch, but uh, their half-court offense has been kind of troublesome this year. It's more run and gun. Um, how do you how do you see that playing out in the playoffs? Uh, I see it playing out badly until they unless they make another trade, and I think they have the resources to make that trade. I think if they took Derek Jones and that first rounder they got from Portland and tried to put that in a deal, uh, I think they could probably get some help. The issue they're going to face, I think, is the value of that pick from Portland. It's top fourteen protected. If the Blazers go into a full reset, the value of that pick is going to diminish some, and so that that may hurt them in terms of what they. Could could acquire but I mean if you look at like Derek Jones Troy Brown those those two players can get you somebody who makes up to 20 million so I think they do have it within them to maybe acquire somebody who can play three and four and shoot and that's really the thing they need right now that's like the missing hole because I think when you get to a playoff series Javante Green becomes more of a liability Derek Jones same thing some of these other guys that they could put out there they really need one more guy who's who threatens spacing wise and forces defenses to take some of their attention off DeRozan. Yeah, I've I've said maybe they should see if they could go after Harrison Barnes if he were available. But he'd be all perfect. right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for that question, Akeem. Thanks everyone for joining us here on Twitter Spaces, and we'll talk to you all again next week. Till then, listening to your favorite podcast—that's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University—that's really smart. With twenty-four-seven access to coursework. No set class times and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.